Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Stuff We Love Podcast. I'm your host, Scott, and I am happy and honored to welcome back to the podcast tonight a returning guest, a returning champion. He's one of the all-time favorite guests, a legend, returns to the podcast after a brief hiatus. Please welcome to the show, Josh. Josh, welcome back. How are you, man? Doing very well. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you tonight, talking uh, a little bit of Disney. It's always fun. Uh, and how you been, first of all? Just catching up a moment here. What's going on? I've been great. And uh, you know, I really only took a trip to Disney so that I could be invited back to this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. And uh, a lot of people have been taking their trips to Disney and or Universal, hoping to get a show, get, get a uh, guest appearance here on the podcast. Very few have achieved it, but you have, my friend. And it's 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 great. Yeah, um, yeah. Josh, before we get to the Disney talk, I want to just briefly mention to you uh, that I would like to get your quick thoughts on the Major League Baseball lockout, because I know you're a huge baseball fan. And uh, it's interesting, Josh, because I was going through some old photos recently and I came across the photo that you and I took together before game one of the 2000 World Series between the Mets and the Yankees. Do you remember that moment? Oh, yes. I remember it very well. Uh, I think we were shaking hands in that picture. We were. You were in a Mets jersey. I was in a Yankees jersey. Obviously. And that was the famous Clemens Mike Piazza game. Yes. Yeah, that, the game that will live in uh, infamy. I think I still have nightmares about that. But uh yeah, you know, it's it's crazy because, uh, you know, we're sitting here in March now and uh, just the fact that there's there's no spring training and there's no baseball, it does not feel like spring, even though, you know, it was almost 70 degrees here uh, on the East Coast this weekend. Yeah, it's very uh, frustrating. There was a very good article in the Washington Post. It may have been today's edition. I read it online and it was all about how with everything that the country has been through over the past couple of years, how sad it is not to have baseball, that this is normally, like you said, Josh, it's spring, you put on TV, you see games being played in Florida and Arizona. If you listen on the radio, you hear the sounds of the game. And regardless of who's right and who's wrong, and from what I gather, it's a little confusing to me. It seems like people are blaming the owners for this. It's that they're not going to get a lot of sympathy from the public because baseball is yeah. in trouble anyway. So this is not going to help their cause. No, it, I mean, it definitely isn't. I mean, Listen, I'm, I'm pro player, but at the same time, you know, uh, takes two to tango and we don't have baseball right now. So yeah. um, it doesn't really matter who's right or who's wrong. It's just unfortunate that, you know, right now, at least it looks like the start of the season is going to be delayed. Um, you know, we've we've postponed my fantasy baseball draft uh, indefinitely, um, which is always something that I obviously look forward to at the end of March. So, um, yeah, it's it's sad times. And I think. You know, the, the funny thing is that, that it seems like the minor league uh, season is going to go on. It, it's yes. separate from the lockout. Um, and so just might have to become a, a huge fan of minor league baseball this year. I don't know what other yeah. choice you might have. There's also uh, some other independent leagues. I wonder if, let's say the base, major league baseball season is really pushed back or canceled. If fans were to take the effort, make the effort to go to minor league games or independent league games. I wonder if it would sort of rekindle their love of the sport, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, and yeah, minor league baseball is obviously it feels like a pure form of the game, right? I mean, you know, prices aren't, aren't out of control. It's easy to park. It's easy to get to the games. You know, you're rooting for the players, you know, they're, they're you know, developing in their career and, you know, no one's really hit it big yet. And so, 
um, in a lot of ways, you know, minor league baseball is is very pure. So I, yeah. I guess we'll have to start, you know, f- uh, picking a couple uh, minor league teams and, and following those. So, yeah. you know, basically prospects to, uh, scouts at this point, right? We could become experts in the farm systems. Yes, exactly. Uh, and the last thing I'll say before we get to Disney is for you as a Mets fan, and I like the Mets too, as you know, this offseason was so productive. You got Scherzer, you got just major improvements all around on the team. This was... And shares is not a young player. So if this is bad for the Mets, this is typical, but bad. Typical is the perfect way to describe this. I mean, you know, the first uh, you know, year in a while that we have a good amount of hope. I, I've been pretty pessimistic about the Mets the last couple of years. Um, honestly, I mean, probably still pessimistic until uh, proven otherwise. But yeah, it is classic Mets that, you know, after this, you know, very exciting offseason, um, that we're now in a lockout. So unbelievable. Um, yeah. Pretty classic. Well, hopefully the next time you're on the podcast, we will be, uh, having baseball on in the background. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's going to be a, a very long summer without it. If, uh, if that, if it came to that, so I'm going to use that opportunity to pivot. Cause you mentioned it would be a long summer without baseball. Well, it had been a long time since you had been to Walt Disney world. Does that count as a pivot? I guess that counts as somewhat of a pivot. Yeah, no, definitely a pivot. Um, yeah, it had been a while. I mean, I hadn't gotten on an airplane since uh, February of 2020 until uh, this most recent trip to Disney. And, um, you know, we we had been wanting to go, um, you know, re- you know, before the pandemic and we're thinking about planning another trip. And um, obviously, you know, travel was off the table for us for a while. So yeah. very exciting to get back on a plane and, you know, start traveling again and, you know, we do have some other uh, upcoming trips you know, for myself, both uh, personal and uh, work on the horizon. So kind of excited to get back to normal and make up for some lost time. So that's great, Josh. And before we get to the specifics of your trip, I wanted to ask you a very general question. I know Disney World means a lot to you. And I wanted to know what were your general thoughts, having not been in Disney World for a long period of time when you arrived there and you checked in and you saw the hotel sites, even the road signs, of course, is a sign you've arrived in, arrived in Disney World. What was your reaction to all of that? Yeah, I mean, it just felt, you know, great to be back. It's, uh, it's so exciting. And, you know, you have the excitement of, you know, the, the days ahead for everything that you have planned. But then you also have, you know, the nostalgia of all of the prior trips, you know, that you've taken, you know, ones that I had taken with, uh, you know, with my, you know, family and, you know, with my you know, uh, parents and and brother before that and um, trips I've taken with friends. So, you know, it's always, it's great to be back. And, um, you know, really it was just, just a ton of excitement for so many of the new things that had, um, you know, come out since the last time that I was there. And, um, you know, there was really something in almost every park that I was looking forward to experiencing for the first time. So that's, that's great. And tell our listeners a little bit about the basics of your trip. How long were you there for? Where did you stay? And who are you with? And all that stuff. Yeah, so we were there um, for uh, six days, five nights. Um, and this was an extended family trip. So um, I was with my wife and kids, um, as well as with my parents and my brother. Um, so it was a, a multi-generational trip for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were staying at Yacht Club, which is actually the first time that I've stayed at that resort. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, for whatever reason, I thought you had stayed there before. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think, you know, um, I actually don't think that I had ever stayed in the, you know, the Epcot resort area before. Um, it was obviously very high on my list, but it just hadn't happened. So, okay. Um, 
so absolutely loved, you know, the location of the hotel and um, you really can't beat being able to, you know, walk to uh, Epcot, you know, walk over to Hollywood Studios or, you know, take the boat. Um, we had a chance to jump on the gondola, um, could talk more about that later. Sure. Um, and then even just kind of take a stroll over to the boardwalk and, uh, you know, walk around there and, and get some ice cream. So just a fantastic location. It was great. Sounds great. And I do want to talk to you more about that a little bit later on. But Josh, uh, where would you like to begin? Uh, I'll let you sort of take us on a virtual journey on your vacation here. So where would you like to begin on the podcast with the trip report? Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the most unique aspects of this trip um, was that um, we actually qualified for um, DAS. Um, and, you know, for anyone who's, uh, you know, not familiar with DAS, it's, you know, stands for Disability Access Services. Um, and so we actually qualified for that for the, uh, you know, the first time. Um, and so our trip sort of began, I'd say, 30 days out when we were able to actually go on and qualify for that um, via Zoom and actually able to make ride reservations in advance. So we had never used that service before. Um, and uh, that was really sort of the kicking off of the trip, you know, with um, you know, no longer having the ability to book rides in advance, um, you know, through like the FastPass system. Uh, now you're able, uh, you know, DIS is really the only way that you're able to make any sort of advanced booking. And so the planning did begin for this trip uh, with that. And so you communicated with a Disney employee, is that correct? Yeah. Exactly. So um, I believe it's at 7 a.m., 30 days out from your trip, you log on um, and you're connected on a Zoom with um, you know, a Disney representative. Um, you, you know, explain a little bit about your situation. They determine whether or not you qualify for DAS. Um, and at that point, once you um, officially qualify, they actually transfer you over to, um, I believe it was a live chat in which they go um, day by day through your itinerary and you're able to make two advanced ride reservations um, per park per day. Okay, interesting, and that's they, good to know. And they, they essentially give you, uh, at least you know, for me, they gave me two choices of time slots. So you just kind of go through each day and you, they say, you know, which rides would you like to reserve? You give them the two, uh, the two rides, they give you two options at times, and then you book it and then it shows up um, you know, within the Disney app, I think within, uh, you know, within minutes. That was going to be my next question. Did it appear in the app? And so you, you've, uh, you just answered that, which is great. Um, okay. Very interesting. And uh, good to know for our listeners who may be interested in using that service. And I would imagine that took away a lot of the stress perhaps with trip planning. Yeah, it did. You know, it's with all these changes, it's very interesting now that, you know, for the majority of people that are going to the parks, they're not able to make ride reservations until the day of. And so, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you're going to be doing that day, how you're going to structure that day, you don't really know what you're going to end up uh, being able to do or, you know, uh, get a time slot for until that day. So, you know, this obviously removed that ambiguity and you know, it really was a fantastic service. It's for really anyone that's unable to, you know, wait on the you know, traditional line and, right. um, you know, that, that absolutely, you know, came into play for my family. So, um, Basically, you know, just to give you a little bit more background on it, you get those two advanced rides um, per day. And then the day of, you get a third slot that um, becomes available within the, um, within the app 
once you uh, scan into the park. Oh, so you scan okay. into the park, you arrive, and then a, a DAS tile pops up and you're able to click and you're able to, to make a third reservation um, that you're then able to keep. And once you use it, you're able to make another one. And uh, that, that uh, time slot that you get is essentially equivalent to whatever the standby wait is on any ride. Okay. So if the, the wait for a ride is two hours, you can make a DIS reservation. Um, and it says, come back anytime after two hours from now. Okay. And when you get to the ride, you should, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, you show your app. Is that what you scan in? How does that work? No, it's, so it's all logged in now through your magic band, um, which oh is pretty God. incredible. So okay. it's seamless. You go right up to the lightning lane um, and you're able to scan your magic band. And you know, no one really knows the difference, whether it's a DIS reservation, um, a Genie Plus reservation, right. um, or you know, a paid individual lightning lane reservation. It's a great service that Disney offers, and I'm very happy to hear it work seamlessly, which is really great. Yeah, I think that uh, I obviously had never used it before, but I think the integration with the app is new and it it definitely made it seamless. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on the flip side, um, you know, you are constantly on your phone. Um, so, you know, we did layer Genie Plus with DAS. And as a result, you know, anytime you're scanning into a ride, you're basically back on your phone, you know, ready to book the next thing. And so, um, that is definitely one of the downsides of this new system. Your face is always kind of buried in, in your phone and you're always trying to figure out what's next, um, uh, especially for whoever the planner is in your family, right? That sort was of that you, Josh? That, believe it or not, that was me. Um, <laughs> you know, and so for us, you know, we were uh, a group of seven, right? And so, um, you know, I had to be the one responsible for, you know, making the next ride reservation for everyone. So, Definitely spent a lot of time on my phone, but at the same time, you know, the experience was seamless, despite the fact that the, the parks were absolutely packed. Um, without even having full days at the park, we did about 40 rides in four days. Wow, um, that's remarkable. So, you know, we were there President's Day weekend, sort of peak attendance, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, a time where a lot of times you have to make sacrifices on rides and you're waiting on long lines, but between you know the DAS and the Genie Plus, it was it was you know very quick, forty rides. Josh, I, I want to ask you about Genie Plus because I have not been to the parks. Actually, I guess I'm trying to think. Maybe I was there when Genie Plus became available, but I didn't use it. But I will be going to the parks later this year. And one of the complaints I'm hearing about Genie Plus. First off, I get the terms confused. So when you say Genie Plus, are you talking about where you pay the service and it it's not like you book a ride reservation or is it? Is that elaborate? Yeah, so, so I did uh, pretty extensive research. You know, obviously, I've been to Disney a number of times, but it felt like I had to relearn everything all over again. Um, and so uh, my understanding, uh, we'll run a disclaimer here. You know, I, I, am, I am not a certified expert, but... You know, the couple of terms that I learned. So, you know, Genie is the actual service on the app that is not paid. Um, and it's basically the service that you can use where it helps map out your itinerary for the day and makes recommendations on what to go do next. Um, I actually found that to be almost more of a nuisance than a help. Um, but that is sort of the, the underlying um, uh, service like within the app, right? Genie Plus is what you actually have to pay for. Um, and that is that basically grants you the ability to 
book um, one ride um, at the outset of the day. So at 7 a.m., um, basically the reservation system for the day opens up and you're able to make a reservation at that time. We could talk more about Disney Plus in just a second, right? So that is paid and it gives you the ability to book, book a ride reservation. Um, and each uh, reservation that you make doesn't cost additional money. You can make as, you know, as many as you're able to during the day for that fee. Then thirdly, there's the individual lightning lane rides where you actually have to pay per ride. And so uh, I don't know the exact amounts. It might be anywhere from, I don't know, $5 to $15 per person. And basically the top two attractions within each park are on that system. So then you have to pay individually per person for those rides if you'd like to. Right. And that also opens up at 7 a.m. So basically, if you're going to the park that day, you know, every day at around uh, you know, 7 a.m., you've got to be uh, up and on your app and you can make either a, your first Genie Plus reservation of the day or um, any individual Lightning Lane reservations that you want to make. So with the Genie Plus system, one of the complaints I've been hearing is that, okay, if you've paid this, it used to be with the old fast pass. Okay. You could in advance, no, you could show up at Soren between nine and 10, something like that here. It's like you, if correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, you tell the app, okay, I want to go on Peter Pan and they'll tell you, okay, come back an hour and a half from now. Is that correct? Yeah. So you're, it basically gives you whatever the, the time slot is that's available. Right. So you get a single choice and you can take it or leave it. Now, for the individual lightning lane rides, you can actually choose your time slot. However, the most popular rides, at least while I was there, went so quickly that if you didn't take the first thing that popped up on your screen, you could be locked out for the day. So I was on at seven o'clock on the dot to book Rise of the Resistance, individual lightning lane. Um, and by seven o'clock with 20 seconds, the day was sold out. Now, that may have been an anomaly uh, because it was President's Day weekend, but even if you wanted to pay to go on the ride that day, um, you were not able to. What time slot did you get for that ride? So we ended up having to use DAS um, to go on Rise of the Resistance, and our return time slot was about two and a half hours later. So the, the line was two to three hours long at that point. Um, and so in that window, you can't you book anything else through DIS, right? Your DIS is tied up through that. Um, and it basically, you know, was come back two and a half hours later. So we were fortunate, right, to have DIS um, because it gave us the opportunity to go on Rise of Resistance. Otherwise, even if you were willing to pay that day, mm -hmm. you would have had to have waited on standby. And again, that was two to three hours. So for people like like us, not, not meaning you, but the way we normally travel is we go to the parks in the morning, take a break in the afternoon, swim, shop, whatever, go back at night some nights. That yep. may not make sense for us to get Genie Plus a lot of the time because we, you know, they may send us to a ride that's not until two in the afternoon. Yeah, well, so, so I've thought through this a little bit. You know, you can do, you know, rope drop, right? And, uh, you know, you can get there and try and knock out a couple rides when you, you know, first get there. And then you're trying to book a Genie Plus for early in the morning. And then, you know, basically every time you use your Genie Plus, let's say you get one for 9 a.m., you know, you go on the ride and then you book your next one, right? And so you can do it that way. The other thing that you can do, and again, it's a take it or leave it time slot, but let's say you want to go on Slinky Dog Dash and, you know, within a minute or two, right? They're already giving out Genie Pluses for late in the afternoon. Right. 
if you book, let's say a five o'clock Genie Plus, um, you then can book another Genie Plus two hours after the park opens. So if the park opens at 9 a.m., at 11 a.m., even though you haven't used that Slinky Dog Dash yet, you could then go on and book another one, let's say for you know, three o'clock or mm-hmm. for seven o'clock. And so um, then, then basically every two hours, you can do another one. So you could do it at nine, at 11 and at one, and you can start to stack, right? The, the back end of your day. Now I have little kids, um, absolutely no problem waking up at 7 a.m. to make these reservations. Sure. No problem to get to the park for rope drop. We would try and fill up our, our morning as much as possible. And we were gone for the day by two, three o'clock. Um, so, you know, for us, it was all about front loading the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that if you're um, someone that wants to go to the park potentially later in the day, you could backload it. Right. I think it is a little trickier to both front load and backload, right? To your point where you said we like to get there in the morning, leave at some point in the middle of the day, and then potentially go back at night. That might you know, just be, take a little bit more coordination. So putting aside the DAS service, because that is a I'm not including that in the question I'm about to pose to you because that's yeah. a service that's needed by the people that use it and so forth. But for Genie Plus, yeah, and Scott, with that, with mm-hmm. that, I should add: if you um, book DAS and you actually you don't necessarily need it, you will be banned from Disney for life. I bet, um, so I, they don't mess around. Yeah, they don't mess they around. Uh, yeah, people should yeah, not be exactly. taking advantage of that. Uh, that system. And I know that a few years ago in the news, remember there were a series of stories of people that were trying to take advantage of that. And uh, it was just horrible, absolutely yeah. terrible. Um, yeah. So putting aside DAS, but just focusing strictly on the Genie Plus, now that you used it, do you feel it's almost too much? You know, a lot of people are saying there's no spontaneity and it's all on your phone planning. Did that? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean... Well, actually, so there's almost too much spontaneity because you don't have any idea what you're going to be able to get until that day, right? And so there's really no way to structure your day in terms of knowing what you're able to get on or not get on. Um, Or even, you know, you might try and, you know, at Magic Kingdom, right, hit hit the, hit the, um, you know, the different lands clockwise or counterclockwise. Like, you know, if you're if you're trying to take the the next time slot that's available and it's a hard to get ride, you might be running back and forth, you know, crisscrossing across the park. And so, um, it it you're planning day of right in a spontaneous way, but not necessarily that's not necessarily a good thing, right? Um, because it is a lot harder to plan things out. You may miss on rides that could have been some of your top options, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so. Um, you know, I, I personally felt like being able to only kind of make the, you know, the one at the outset of the day just wasn't enough. Um, you know, people are paying a real premium for Genie Plus on top of an already very expensive park ticket. And to only be able to, you know, have that, you know, one at a time or, you know, one every two hours, I almost feel like they may be better served to say, hey, if you book Genie Plus at the outset of the day, you can book, you know, three rides um, throughout the day or, we're going to divide up all the rides in Magic Kingdom as A, B, C, D, and E rides, and you can book one within each class. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's potentially better ways to do it. I mean, listen, Disney is making a ton of money now off of Genie Plus and the individual Lightning Lanes. That's not going to go away. They, they need, they have the revenue now. They're not going to give it up. But I do think there's ways that you know within those paid 
um, services to potentially make it a better user experience for guests. Uh, let me ask you this question. I'm not sure if you know the answer, but let's say I go to the park and it's a busy day like when you were there and I don't buy Genie Plus and I'm there at Rope Drop. What were the wait times at the start of the day for things like Peter Pan or Haunted Mansion? Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, I could tell you that obviously, you know, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train was probably already at almost two hours by 9 a.m. Wow. Um, you know, Peter Pan was probably closer to like the one hour mark and maybe Haunted Mansion was like 30 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I think it was extraordinarily busy. President's Day weekend, I know I kept seeing, you know, blog posts just saying how insane the crowds were and how busy it was. Um, you know, so those high demand rides though, right? And there are a couple, right, within each park. And um, I mean, I did not see a line under two hours for those newer rides. So, mm. you know, whether that was, you know, newer on the on the scale of things, right? Because I hadn't been in a while, but whether sure. that was Seven Doors Mine Train. Space Mountain. Brand new, right? The shiny penny. Um, you know, Avatar Flight of Passage, obviously, uh, you know, within um, Hollywood Studios, you know, Mickey and Minnie, um, you know, Rise of the Resistance, you know, those were all, you know, multi-hour waits. And so mm -hmm. you think about how much you're paying for a park ticket and then to spend, you know, my kids, you know, Know, couldn't wait two to three hours for a ride. I don't, I wouldn't advise anyone necessarily to sure. do that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, I just don't think you get enough um, for the dollars, you know, with Genie Plus. So hopefully, you know, they, uh, you know, they keep kind of testing and learning. I know even that since I was there, they um, put a couple of the individual Lightning Lane rides back on Genie Plus. So when I was there, Mickey and Minnie, um, and I think Space Mountain, maybe one other, I can't remember, but they were individual lightning lane rides that you would, you know, potentially need to pay for. You could not book them through Genie Plus. Within a uh, week after we were there, they moved them to Genie Plus. Okay. So that that is getting more bang for your buck with Genie Plus. That you know wasn't available to us, but if they continue to potentially move rides to that, or you know allow you to you know maybe book a couple at once, then you you know may become a much better value. I've seen a lot of people who do YouTube videos about the park saying that. It's not like it used to be. A lot of the people who were locals, for example, could go to the parks and really get on things pretty easily. And now, especially during busy times, they don't seem as able to do that. And based on what you're saying, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's, there's got to be a lot of pent up demand from the last couple of years of people that, you know, couldn't come or didn't feel comfortable, um, you know, going to the parks and, you know, people are now you know, starting to, to venture out more. Mm -hmm. um, you've got, you know, school vacations and everything. Um, and so I do think it's, you know, particularly crowded right now. Now, whether that lasts, you know, a couple of months, you know, a year, I don't know, but, you know, hopefully, you know, once you get out of this pent up demand period, maybe it'll return you know, to a bit more normal. So. Mm -hmm. Josh, where do we, where would you like to go next on your trip report? Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we got the, a lot of the business out of the way. I feel like that was <laughs> serious, a serious, uh, serious stuff. But honestly, I mean, you know, it did obviously take a lot of research and prep, but, you know, um, yeah, I can tell you from a, a rides perspective, I was wowed uh, by a couple of the new rides that I had yes, not been yes. on. Please, please um, tell. So, I mean, yeah, I think probably two of my favorites were, uh, you know, Rise of the Resistance, which, you know, should come to no surprise uh, to anyone that follows Disney. And then uh, it was my first time doing Avatar Flight of Passage mm -hmm. as well. And I thought that was just incredible. Um, so, so uh, in terms of Rise of the Resistance, 
where would you rank that on your list of all-time rides? In terms of uniqueness, I don't know how you don't make it number one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was much more of like of an immersive experience than it was a ride. Right. Um, right. And you know, obviously, you know, Disney is well known for you know entertaining guests while you're you know waiting online for a ride. The queue has you know a lot of uh, you know entertainment built in, but this was completely different. It was you know immersive. Um, and there were multiple steps and stages, you know, as, as you progressed. Um, so, you know, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, a, you were on a ship, whether you were, you know, uh, you know, in, in a larger room, whether you were on the ride itself, I mean, there were, I don't want to obviously spoil it for anyone, but, you know, it was, it was such a unique experience and it, you know, that is one of the rides. I, I don't know exactly how long it was, whether it was, you know, 10, 15 or 20 minutes, but it was long. Right. Um, and if you're right. going to wait online for two to three hours, it is great to, you know, to be on a ride that doesn't end after, you know, five minutes. Right. Yes. So you definitely get your money's worth uh, for uh, either paying for the individual lightning lane or for waiting on standby for that ride. And um, I'll just do a quick spoiler here. It's not a major thing, but on Rise of the Resistance, how great is the part where you quickly rise up on the elevator? Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's incredible. There are so many, so many cool parts. The lightsaber breaking through the roof was incredible. Yes, um, that was awesome. I mean, there's just a lot of memorable moments. Um, uh, and my son's a huge Star Wars fan. So it's great. Uh, you know, it, it took it all the, to the next level. So, and um, in terms of Flight of Passage, is that your favorite simulation ride? Let's put that in the motion simulator category. Do you, where does that rank for you in that category? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was at the top. I mean, yeah. the, the visuals were incredible. Um, you know, you had you know, the wind, you had the smells. Um, it was just, it was incredible. I mean, you know, you, you're sitting and you can actually feel the, the banshee breathing. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my kids weren't familiar uh, with the movie at all. And so we've, we dove in once we got back because mm-hmm. I mean, those the floating mountains and everything and the waterfalls. It's just, it's just incredible. It's a very um, beautiful ride. Very beautiful yeah. imagery. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, those were a lot of the, the new unique ones that we were excited for. Um, I had been to Disney um, a couple times with my kids before. Um, and one that we actually hadn't hit somehow was Haunted Mansion, right? Oh, so mm-hmm. just a classic, uh, you know, all-time classic ride. And I just hadn't had a chance to do it with them. And so, that was also a lot of fun, just kind of being able to see their reactions to everything, you know, on such like a, an old school classic ride. It's my all time favorite attraction. Any part. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think in my mind, as I was saying that I was thinking Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey over at Universal, but I think Haunted Mansion is still my number one. And I love the special on Disney Plus about it on Behind the Attraction, the TV series. Haunted Mansion yeah. episode is great. Yeah. Um, Josh, you mentioned earlier a little bit about what it was like staying at the Yacht Club, but uh, elaborate on that for our listeners in terms of being in the Epcot Resort area and the hotel itself. How was your room? How were the amenities and so forth? Yeah, you know, we were so busy. You know, we, we spent a lot of time at the pool. Um, the first day we were there, we spent the full afternoon and then, you know, a couple of other afternoons um, we spent time out at the pool. Beyond that, I didn't really feel like I, I fully enjoyed um you know, all of the amenities of the hotel. We just didn't spend a ton of time there. And 
you know, we were also trying to kind of maximize our time at outdoors. And so we were really hanging out by the pool area rather than spending time inside the hotel. But, um, you know, the pool area is just incredible, you know, multiple, uh, you know, zero entry pools, um, lazy river, sand bottom, which mm. is really unique and cool. Um, yeah, and there's, there's actually, you know, beaches with sand kind of built into the side of a couple of the pools. So it is, you know, very unique. You can spend a ton of time there. Um, you know, they have Hurricane Hannah's there with like a great poolside menu with, with, you know, food and snacks and cocktails. Um, obviously beaches and cream is right there with the, uh, walk up ice cream window. So, you know, it's just, you're able to really feel like you're at a resort. The water slide, um, is fantastic. Uh, you know, so you really feel like you're at a, at a resort, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, really enjoyed our time there. But then, like I said, you know, everything else is so accessible. Um, so, you know, we were able to walk to, um, Epcot the day we were going to the park. Um, um, me and my wife and my brother, we walked over to Epcot one afternoon and we actually got to, uh, eat and drink around the world uh, without you. the kids while my parents babysat. So that was uh, excellent. I uh, got to, you know, have, have a uh, snack and a drink in, in all the countries. Um, in know, all the countries you to, did? All, all of them. We hit, I think with 12, we, had, we hit all of them. So I'm going to um, tell my staff to make this a 10 part series. <laughs> there you go. We sh we'll do an hour on each country. <laughs> um, um, well, Go ahead, Josh. Finish what you're what you're saying, then I have a question. Yeah, no. So I mean, the accessibility was great, and then something new that we actually did. Um, we took the um, the uh, Skyliner, the gondola, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is kind of sits right in between um, where our hotel was and the Epcot entrance, um, and we took that over to the Riviera Resort to uh, Topolino's Terrace mm -hmm. for a character breakfast one of the mornings. How was um, that? How was the character breakfast? Excellent. Um, you know, obviously character breakfasts are, are a little different in the age of, uh, of COVID right now. So, you know, you're not supposed to necessarily go right up to the characters, but, um, you know, they were, uh, they were circulating. I think it was Mickey and Minnie and maybe Daisy and Donald. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the restaurant itself is beautiful, high ceilings, beautiful views, um, very well spaced out. Um, the food was excellent. That was definitely one of the, uh, the culinary highlights. Um, yeah. So uh, we really enjoyed that. And, and the gondola ride is really cool. The Skyliner's, um, you know, very efficient. It almost feels like a ride itself. Yeah, totally. So, you know, we hopped on that, we went over to breakfast and then we took it back to Epcot and then uh, went to Epcot that day. So one of my tips that I've been giving people is if they're able to go to the outdoor terrace at Topolino's Terrace during sunset, and you'll get mm. the spectacular view where you could see over to Hollywood Studios, over Caribbean Beach, down to, I think you could even see Expedition Everest from a very far distance. But I was up there one night on my trip last summer and just great photo opportunities, beautiful photos. Yeah, um, no, it's really nice space. Um, and, you know, you probably would never have gone over to that resort unless you were staying there. But just the fact that it's on the Skyliner makes it, yeah, um, you know, really accessible. It, it makes a lot of different... Uh, you know, places I think within like the Disney property more accessible. So can you give me one or two food and or drink highlights from eating and drinking around the world? Yes. Yeah, so when we were there, it was actually the last day of Festival of the Arts, I think it's called. Um, mm -hmm. So we were there, I think it was um, 
yeah, I think it was the, the last night they were having like a closing concert. Um, and so because of that festival, you know, they had um, some of the, the specialty booths um, set up. So, you know, uh, kind of like on the on the outskirts of each of the country, a couple of um, you know, appetizer or small plates and then a couple of cocktails. So um, I'm trying to think in terms of the highlights, um, you know, in uh, in Japan, we had a lot of fun. They were serving uh, sake in the in the wooden uh, square boxes, awesome. um, and so uh, you know, that was a lot of fun. Um, a number of years back, I was uh, able to take a trip to Japan, and uh, we we had that there. So I know it was at least uh, you know somewhat authentic. Um, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think what else you know. Uh, what, what some of the highlights were, obviously. Uh, it's, it's interesting because you're going through something that I've experienced too, which is where when you do so much, you can't even pick one. It's like, you know, yeah, it all exactly. kind of blurs together, but you know, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, pretzel and, uh, and, Germany? and beer in Germany. We had, Sweet. I think Did you have the grapefruit beer in Germany? I don't think we had that one. Okay. It was like a beer. Uh, we had like a frozen limoncello margarita in, uh, it was actually in Italy. I don't know Good if that's, for you. that's That's nice. Um, but, but that was a lot of fun. Had like a, a small plate beef Wellington, uh, in America with a craft beer that was really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we got to just eat and eat and drink a ton. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a blast, uh, you know, also, uh, just nice to you know, get out and, uh, you know, be, be in the park in the evening. Cause so often we're, we spent most of our time in the parks during the daytime. So for sure. Um, so yeah, so, so that was a lot of fun is, I mean, as far as, you know, other culinary highlights, um, I finally had a chance to try, uh, Gideon's cookies at Disney Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that was excellent. Um, I've had Levain cookies a few times in New York city and, uh, I'd probably equate it to that. It was very, very good. What um, flavor so did you get? All of them. Why, why choose? <laughs> <laughs> so I think we got a, a box of six and I think we actually ate it over the course of, uh, of the entire trip, but, sure. um, yeah, so I mean, you yeah, know, that was fun. We put our names on the virtual queue before dinner at the boathouse, um, and then had dinner at the boathouse, which I know is a favorite of yours. And then, uh, our name came up, you know, soon after. So that actually worked out pretty nicely. So, so you had a Gideon's boathouse combo evening. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And that was the first night. So, I mean, it's hard to, to top that at that point, you know. And uh, tell me about the boathouse. Had you, now you'd been there before, right? I've been all, a number of times. A number of times. Yeah. What did you eat this time? What did I eat? Um, I had a lobster roll. Yeah, um, the lobster roll is awesome there. Yeah, that, I had the lobster roll. We shared a number of, uh, of appetizers, obviously. The dinner rolls, I know, uh, you know, a, a big hit uh, yeah. with you and your family. Um, so, yeah, it was great. Um, I will say my wife, who's a huge fan of the crab cakes, she thought something was different on the crab cakes this time. She didn't think they were uh, quite the same as they had been previously. So Okay, fair. Um, That's fair. So something to look out for, you know, might might have been a one-time thing. I don't know. But um so yeah, so th- I mean that was highlight, and then a couple of other highlights. Um, you know, we actually had a chance to try some of the quick service restaurants within some of the parks that we hadn't been to before. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, within uh, Hollywood Studios, the Star Wars area, we had a chance to go to uh, Docking Bay Seven. Um, Tell us about we, that because I've never yeah. been there, and I would I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, 
Well, and it's funny because I there were parallels between that and also the I don't know how to say it exactly, but Satuli Canteen within right. the Avatar world mm-hmm. at uh, Animal Kingdom, and I mean they were both definitely ele- well elevated versions of of what you would expect, um, you know, in terms of theme park food. I mean, definitely um, higher end, more inventive, unique uh, dishes. You know, very playful. Um, definitely kind of made you feel like immersed within each of the worlds that you were in. Um, and we really enjoyed it. Um, you know, when we, when we were at Magic Kingdom, we hit Cosmic Rays, which is, you know, for us, you know, we really enjoy it. Just, you know, simple burgers and fries, um, you know, and it's delicious, but it's this was, these other places were definitely a step above more unique food and dishes, um, more artistic presentations of the food. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you remember so what just, you ate at Docking Bay 7? We got, I think, almost everything on the menu and shared. <laughs> um, so I know we had a couple of the salads. We had the the, uh, the ribs. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my kids had the like square uh, chicken fingers. Um, so yeah, it was. You know, if there's a common theme here, it's uh, why I choose one thing if you could get everything and and share it. So that's the philosophy um, to have. Yeah. So you know, we got to do all that. Um, and then, yeah, the food at, uh, you know, Satuli Canteen was great also. So, you know, we really enjoyed those. Those are obviously, you know, newer additions, but enjoyed those in addition to the park food. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, I'm trying to think if there were any other, you know, highlights. I think everything was, you know, very good. We hit, uh, you know, Via Napoli when we were, um, in Epcot, we hit, uh, Whispering Canyon one night. So, uh, and how was that? How was Whispering Canyon? It was good. It was very good. It, I wouldn't say it was outstanding or anything, but you know, it was fun. You know, family style portions. Okay. Um, you know, the staff does a great job of joking around with you and right. and engaging you. Great cocktails. Um, I think I had, I forget what distillery had it, but it was a uh, it was a bourbon that was I think like specifically made um, for Disney. Um, I can't remember which distillery it was, but yeah, really, uh, yeah, we enjoyed that. And then another uh, evening that we really enjoyed, um, we walked over to the boardwalk and we went to Trattoria Al Forno sure. um, for dinner, and then got um, ice cream at the uh, you know the boardwalk a couple doors down. So it's good, right? That boardwalk ice cream yeah. shop. Yeah, that place was great. Um, Trattoria Al Forno. We got these. Um, uh, I forget they were I think like the the rice balls and they were stuffed with uh yes. with cheese and they had the crispy pancetta wheels and um, that was excellent um and uh yeah we had a really good meal so you know overall uh, I think the food was very good I wouldn't say that it was uh excellent but like we definitely enjoyed it but mm-hmm. there's no doubt I mean the crowds definitely played a role you know we went to book uh dinner reservations you know exactly um, you know, the, the number of days out that we could. And, you know, we even had trouble booking uh, for the times that we were looking for, you know, a couple of days we were looking for flexibility to move times around. We weren't able to find anything else. Um, so it was packed. It was. Yeah. It talk was to us a little bit about uh, I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. I didn't mean to. Uh, oh, no. no I, I was going to ask if you could talk to us a little bit about crowd sizes, especially at Disney Springs. Yeah. Disney Springs was packed. Um mm-hmm. And I mean, listen, we had a fantastic trip. Um, you know, the, I'd say on the whole, you know, because of the fact that we did have DAS and we had Genie Plus, the crowds didn't negatively impact our park experience by any means. But Disney Plus 
I'll tell you, Disney Plus, uh, Disney Springs, uh-huh. we got out of dinner that night and it was so crowded that you could almost not walk around. Um, it, it was really, really packed. And I absolutely love Disney Springs. I love walking around, but we couldn't even get into the Lego store. There was a, a, sig- a very, very significant line to get into the Lego store. Um, and so we were actually slated to go back there a second night um, to go to Homecoming, which, as you know, is another one of my favorite restaurants. For sure. And we just ended up canceling it. And that was the night that we did Epcot and, and uh, did the Around the World. I wonder um, if that so. that crowd level is tied to a holiday weekend. Because, look, Disney Springs is, a, is very busy in general. But a holiday weekend maybe could play a role with that. Um, yeah, it definitely was. So, you know, I mean... I would definitely, obviously, you know, you need to take the trip whenever you can, but if you do have any flexibility to avoid some of those peak weekends, you should. And we knew going in, it was going to be a peak weekend. It was exactly what we expected. We were not at all surprised. Um, But, you know, after not having traveled for, uh, you know, a couple of years, then to be thrown into, uh, you know, a a President's Day weekend crowd at Disney, it it is definitely jarring. But uh, I can imagine that. Did you buy any merch? My kids did, <laughs> or I guess I should say I did. I bought for my kids. Um, so I mean, some of the highlights for them, uh, they they found the uh, Encanto figurines. They were very excited about that. Where did they find um, that? Do you remember what store? At uh, I forget what's the name. The Giant Disney Store in Disney Springs. World of Disney. Yeah, World of Disney. Is the Encanto um, soundtrack on repeat in your house? Yes. Yeah. It's it's on repeat and it's just a continuous uh, loop at this point. So what's your favorite song from Encanto? Bruno. Bruno. Never heard of it. No, just kidding. My um, kids will now whisper uh, to Alexa, uh, Alexa, do we talk about Bruno? And she's got like a, a canned response. I don't know if you've ever done it. Before. No, that's good to know. I'm going to do yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. So any other highlights uh, on the merch purchase per- <laughs> merch purchases? Um, I don't think so. I mean, uh, my son uh, went to town um, at the Star Wars land and uh, he got, a, you know, a pin and a, like an AT-AT uh, statue and um, all that kind of stuff. They also, I don't know if this counts as uh, as merch or not, but my kids did the uh, Droid Depot, build your own droids. That's awesome. Did you have um, a reservation for that? Yes. So we had a reservation um, and my parents ended up taking the kids. So I actually didn't go inside um, because you're only allowed one adult, uh, you know, to accompany each child right now. They're trying to, you know, limit uh, capacity. So I didn't go in, but I mean, they had a phenomenal time. I saw the pictures and some of the videos and it it was just very cool with, you know, the various parts of the droids coming off the conveyor belt and picking them up and, you know, choosing the colors and the types. And I mean, it's basically, you know, like having a remote control uh, car now, you know, that comes with a controller and they drive the droid around and my dog goes absolutely nuts. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that, you know, that was, you know, whether you call it merch or not, that was definitely That's a merch. unique experience and, uh, carrying those things home, uh, both from the park and on the plane were an experience as well. I didn't know, uh, if security was going to be stopping us or not, but Josh, this was one of the most thorough trip reports I can remember. It's almost like, oh, I, it, it honestly covered all the bases. The one other thing I just wanted to touch briefly on with you is uh, to, to agree with you on your thoughts about staying in the Epcot resort area, because when you stay there, it's unlike any other destination anywhere in the world, literally, because you're situated, you got, like you said, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, you could get there 
by walking, boat, Skyliner, it's all right there. You have restaurant options, great pools, good quick service food. It's just, maybe that's because that's where I stayed a lot when I was a kid. It's left me with a very favorable um, impression, but I always love, if, even if I'm not staying in that area, just spending time there. It's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great place to hang out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see, um, you know, what kind of mood we're in next time we go, but it'd be hard to like choose something else after you know, the great experience that we had in that area. That's the dilemma of Disney fans is that they have such fond memories of where they stay that they, and eat that they want to experience them again and again, yet they yeah. know there's so much else out there. That is, that is great. Yeah. You know, we, I think the last couple times, actually, we stayed in the vicinity of um, Disney Springs. One time we stayed at Saratoga Springs and we I remember that, walk sure. at Disney Springs. And then another time we stayed at, um, I can't, maybe it was like one of the Hiltons that was affiliated, not officially a Disney resort, but at least, you know. It, was um, it in Bonnet Creek? Was that where you stayed? Because I think I may have been there It wasn't that too. one. No, uh, you stayed, I think, actually, if I recall correctly, in the Disney Springs Hilton? Yeah, yeah, it was one, exactly. And you were able to walk right across the street into Disney Springs. And I think the one thing that I really enjoy is just having stuff that's walkable. I mean, back then we had strollers, we did not this time, but you know, just, just being able to kind of roll out of your you know, hotel room and, and walk to do different things, whether mm -hmm. it's parks or Disney Springs, um, yeah, it's fantastic. But I will say, you know, even just you know, even taking the buses around the property, despite how crowded it was, um, it was pretty seamless. Okay. So overall, okay. you know, I'd give the Disney transportation uh, an A. We had you know, a very good experience, even despite all the crowds, so. Josh, what a trip report. I'm glad you had a good time good. and uh, I'm glad your family had a good time. And I found this extremely insightful. And I think our listeners will too, because I am approaching my trip with great excitement and also a little bit of trepidation because of Genie Plus and all that. and not sure how to work it into my trip planning. So this, this helped tremendously. Yeah. Well, there's definitely probably a couple of other you know, tips and tricks that I read on blogs that give you probably the best chance possible to uh, allow you to book what you want at 7am, um, you know, when the reservation system opens up. So, you know, once you do some of your research and you dig in, let me know and uh, happy to try and help answer other questions that you have. Although who knows by then they may have already changed the system again. So that's true. Um, Back know, to fast pass, paid fast yeah. pass. Yeah. Change is the, is the one thing that's definitely uh, inevitable. So. Josh, I have nothing else to add to this trip report. It was absolutely fantastic. And I think it's so inspirational. The baseball players are going to settle their strike. Yeah, hopefully uh, this is what we needed to help uh, you know, close the bridge between the, those two groups. So, Now, Josh, are you ready to go to the Stuff We Love segment? Scott, I've never been more ready. So the Stuff We Love segment is the part of the show for our new listeners where tonight Josh and I are going to give you a recommendation. It's something we're enjoying right now. It could be movie tv show book album song video game restaurant food whatever it is so josh with that what is your stuff we love all right well you said food at the end so i'm glad this met the criteria i was getting nervous that i, I wasn't going to be able to uh hit on one of the things that you mentioned but so uh my uh thing that i love for this week this is something that i recently uh ordered uh so i do um online grocery delivery and i actually ordered it through fresh direct um, but i did a little research it's available a couple different ways so this was very unique it was called not fried chicken ice cream have you heard of this before no but i'm very okay. intrigued so please continue okay 
So this is uh, an ice cream dessert that literally looks like a fried chicken leg. Um, so it is made by a company called uh, uh, Life Raft Treats out of, I think, Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I ordered it on, um, on Fresh Direct. Uh, you know, I live in the New York area, but I believe it's available nationwide on, on, uh, on Gold Belly. But basically, I mean, it looks like um, a chicken leg, but it's completely, it's a dessert. It's made out of ice cream. So the outside is made out of almost coated in uh, cornflakes. The, the chicken part, right, the leg is made out of vanilla ice cream. Um, and then on the inside, there's like a, a chocolate covered cookie bone. So the bone actually runs through the length of the chicken leg. And it's almost like a, like a hard chocolate uh, bar in the middle. So you look at this thing, uh, you know, I got a single wrapped um, single wrapped serving, but I think that online you could order like a bucket of quote unquote fried chicken. Um, it looks like fried chicken. Like even when you look at it close up, it looks like fried chicken, but um, it, is, it is an ice cream dessert. It's absolutely delicious, super high quality ingredients, um, tastes amazing, and it's really, really fun. So you could literally pick it up and eat it like a chicken leg, you know, kind of you know, uh, nibbling up and down and the bone in the middle um, might even be the best part. So a lot of fun if you haven't seen it before. This is the greatest stuff we love recommendation that's ever been on the podcast. There's no competition. You, listen, you know that I've got a passion for food. I like to seek out the unusual, try new things. The second I saw this, it caught my eye. Um, and I was waiting all week for it to come. And, uh, you know, it delivered. It's got, yeah, it's delicious. It's playful. It's fun. It's unique. Um, I was uh, checking out Life Raft Treats uh, website. They've got some other stuff they had. I think like um, it looked like a taco, a sandwich, all made out of like ice cream and stuff. So there's really uh, unique. Uh, I don't know how easy it is to find. I, I know you can order it on Gold Belly. I know Gold mm -hmm. Belly pricey, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. So if you have the opportunity to try it out, uh, you definitely should. I remember last time you were on the podcast, your Stuff We Love recommendation was the pizza oven. Oh, yeah. Still using it. We... Uh, I got that, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic and mm -hmm. it was fantastic. We still use it. Um, you know, we make the dough the night before and, uh, you know, always mess around with new toppings and stuff. It's great for entertaining. So it's not a coincidence that my uh, stuff I love is always food related. It's always food related and it's different types of stuff that's food related. It's not your standard stuff. I mean, this tonight was such a unique recommendation. It's I, I'm. I'm tempted not to even give one, to be honest with you, out of respect for the genius of that recommendation. <laughs> but no, that's really uh, an amazing choice. And as you were talking, I quickly loaded up the website, and how's it look? Uh, it looks amazing. It looks. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm it gonna looks be like fried this. chicken, right? Honestly, it looks exactly like fried chicken. Yeah. All our listeners, check this out. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, enter um, Josh at checkout. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So my stuff we love recommendation, I'm, I'm telling you, this is such an epic one. I don't know how this will hold up, but I tweeted about this earlier today. I just finished reading the two volume book lyrics, 1956 to the present by Paul McCartney, which came out last year around the holidays. It was Barnes and Noble's book of the year, over 800 pages between the two volumes. And basically it was a collection of stories 
behind songs that Paul McCartney wrote both with the Beatles, uh, songs that he wrote with John Lennon, for example, then songs that he wrote with his first wife, Linda McCartney, and with other composers, and then purely on his own. And the way it went was in alphabetical order, and they would print the lyrics, they would give you details about the song, where it was recorded, what album it was on, if it was a single, for example, and then there would be a story about it that was written by Paul in conjunction with, I think his name is Paul Muldoon, a famous poet. And uh, some of the anecdotes were short, some went on a couple of pages, but it was as close as we're probably going to get to an autobiography by Paul McCartney. So that was a very cool thing. I Look, I'm a huge Beatles fan. I've read countless books about the Beatles. I consider myself to be an expert in that, just like you are now an expert in Genie Plus. And I was learning stuff that I never knew before. And, I thought you were uh, going to say I was uh, an expert in ice cream fried chicken. Yeah, you are definitely an expert in that too. Uh, so well, I learned. Well, Scott, stuff. I mean, given given the, your love for the Beatles, just the fact that you were uh, able to get so much enjoyment out of it and, and learn so much is kind of amazing. Because I consider you sort of one of the uh, foremost Beatles experts in my life. That's very. That's that's a great compliment, Josh. Thank you. And uh, what made this book so cool is that in addition to these anecdotes, there was. There were images of song lyrics, handwritten lyrics, photographs, unique memorabilia, and just amazing stuff, really remarkable items in there. And so that is my Stuff We Love recommendation. So with that, we're now going to tell our listeners where they can find the Stuff We Love podcast online. First off, let me mention, we are now on TikTok, a brand new account. It's Stuff We Love podcast. We got a couple of TikToks up there. Check it out. Subscribe if you uh, are on TikTok. You can find us on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page, a YouTube channel, and I'm, I promise that we're going to get to using those more. I'm sort of delinquent with the Facebook and YouTube stuff, but I think so much of the stuff is now on Twitter and Instagram. That's where the action is for a lot of this, and then TikTok. Uh, You're you can really omni channel. What's that? You're really omni channel. My really what? Omni channel. You're across all channels at this. Oh, point. that's right. That's right. Is that a tech term? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But um, also you can write to us, stuffwelovepodcast.gmail.com. And our official website is stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com, although you can find us on all podcast platforms. And uh, with that, Josh, wonderful to be with you, my friend. This was a great episode. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to recap a trip with you. Always fun to talk to you about this stuff and look forward to having you back on and uh, getting some more food recommendations. Yes. Here's to the uh, 2022 baseball season. That's right. (laughs) And with that, we'll go around the table one more time. I am Scott. I'm Josh. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.